Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Hello, and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is John Spear, the host, founder, and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight.Guru. Let me tell you a little bit about this episode of the podcast. Today, I have John Johnson. He's a senior associate attorney with FDAimports.com and the affiliated law firm, Benjamin L. England & Associates. John's going to talk to us a little bit about import challenges and some of the issues that you might be faced as a medical device company bringing in components, parts, pieces, materials, sub-assemblies, you name it, anything that you're getting from outside the United States that relates to your medical device, there are some challenges there. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, the founder, the VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight.Guru, John Spear. Excited about a topic today that many of you in listening today and and in this market probably are dealing with, and that's this little three-letter organization known as FDA. That's right. With me, I have John Johnson from FDA Imports. Let me tell you a little bit about FDA Imports and a little bit about John. FDAimports.com is a regulatory consulting firm comprised of former FDA officials and affiliated attorneys. FDA Imports helps companies with pre and post market needs, including compliance with FDA, customs, and other state and federal regulations. Frequently, their team is called upon to help clients obtain release of detained shipments, removal from import alert, and relief from other regulatory enforcement actions. And John is a senior associate attorney with FDAimports.com and the affiliated law firm Benjamin L. England and Associates. He practices FDA and customs law with a focus on integration of the two agencies' regulatory compliance requirements and has extensive experience with FDA or with representing FDA regulated clients before FDA customs and other regulatory agencies. So John, that's, that's quite a lot. And, and it sounds like uh, you get to have a good time dealing with (laughs) FDA and customs and all the things that go along with that. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, it, it is a fun time because really the international supply chain of all regulated commodities, including devices, is is now international. Yeah. Uh, according to FDA, 50% of medical devices are now imported into the country. And I think wow. that statistic's a lot larger when you start to consider components that then are manufactured oh, sure. here in the country. So sure. it becomes essential to understand how does FDA deal with um, imported commodities and what are their powers and the procedures they take because I've seen supply chains just get killed due to real simple errors. Had they done a little bit of homework, we could have prevented this. 
Yeah. And a short story that from a, a personal experience that I had, and it's, it's been quite some time ago, but I was doing some work with a startup company and they, they had, uh, I don't remember all the details, but they had purchased or, or had some prototypes or something, something that were being built for them from overseas. I think it was China maybe, but, uh, they called me one day in a panic because the prototype materials that they were trying to receive and evaluate were being held up by FDA at customs. And they're like, what do I do, John? And, I, and I'm like, I don't know. And I, at the time I didn't know of you or FDA imports, but, but it, I, I didn't know how to help them. So I'm sure that you probably get those kind of communications quite often. We definitely do. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about kind of that process. And, and I think a really key thing that, that um, sometimes we get caught up in or we forget about is we, we, we really think about FDA as being, I guess, the, the agency that allows us, you know, in a pre-market fashion to get our device cleared and to market. Sometimes we forget about the FDA's role after we get that market clearance. And, and sometimes we forget about the FDA's role as it relates to imports and things that we're purchasing from, uh, from outside the United States coming into the country, whether that be through contract manufacturers or what have you. Sometimes we forget, forget about that. So let's dive into that a little bit. How does the FDA interact with medical devices when they are imported into the United States? That's a really good kind of starting point. So one of the things to keep in mind is that 510K clearance, that PMA approval, that's just your ticket into market. FDA's authorities to regulate once you're in market are older than those pre-market kind of steps. And so FDA's role at this point is to ensure compliance. And so they're going to examine products. They're going to be looking at complaints. And the paradigm in the United States of FDA's enforcement mode and investigation mode is that facility inspection. Uh They'll knock on your door unannounced and here they come. Well, as you can imagine, that's really hard to do with devices that are made abroad. Just the mere logistics of getting an investigator out there um, is, is a nightmare. FDA does do these foreign inspections and they are a critical tool in FDA's uh, toolbox, but they're just one component. And instead, they have a special import power that they use um, where the law allows FDA to examine any shipment. Anytime a device is imported, FDA can examine it for whatever it wants. And FDA can refuse its admission in the United States based on what's called the appearance of a violation. So if FDA were to take you to court um, domestically, they would have to prove beyond a preponderance beyond a reasonable doubt if they're charging you criminally or by a preponderance of the evidence on a civil case that the product is not in compliance Mm -hmm. or a prohibited act was committed. Well, on imports, they just have to look at the article and say, you know what? I think that looks like it doesn't, that it violates the law. It just looks wrong. And the only person they have to persuade is themselves. (laughs) Yeah. So they don't have to persuade a third party. They just have to convince themselves, yeah, that looks like it's probably not in compliance. Yeah. And that's enough for them under the law to refuse admission to an article. So you get this odd situation where you can have a perfectly compliant device, but because it, the way it was declared and the way it was presented to FDA, it looks wrong, it's still going to be subject to refusal. Huh. So it's a, it's a real neat 
meet from the agency standpoint power that they have over me <laughs> okay <laughs> to to really kind of control that thing because they can't because they can't do those physical inspections and such and so the congress gave fda the special power on imports to since there's not the same boots on the ground approach to say okay well we're going to make your burden less to ensure the the quality and the safety and the compliance of imported medical devices. And this is true for foods, drugs, and cosmetics as well. Um, and so that that's really kind of FDA's, how they approach imports or one of their key powers. Yeah. A, a lot of, yeah, just a lot of things kind of triggered as you talked about that. And, and you know, one of the, the things that, that has been interesting is on, FDA inspection of, of foreign establishments has actually been increasing quite a bit in recent years. And I guess I'm curious if maybe you don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's anecdotal, but do you feel like this, this uh, import action, you know, these, these sanctions that FDA may take on things coming into country, do you feel in any way, shape or form that that may be a trigger to what's driving that increase in, in FDA inspection of foreign establishments? Well, they're just two different tools, and they ask different questions. Oh, okay. The funny thing about the um, these import inspections is literally FDA is looking at one shipment, uh-huh. and they're saying, well, does this one shipment look good right? Um, or not? And the problem with that is, well, just because one lot was fine or one sample from one lot was fine doesn't necessarily mean there's not an underlying, say, QS problem. Um, which is the whole reason why we invented QSRs in the first place is because right. you can't testing a lot doesn't prove compliance. It just means the 20 syringes or the 600 gloves I tested are fine. But what right. does that mean to the whole system? And so imports serve almost as a verification and the foreign establishment inspections are still really FDA going out there and saying, okay, what is the quality system of these firms? And are we assured of that? quality uh-huh. and so they're, they're asking different questions that okay. if you see a pattern of failures you start to say you know what i bet there's a quality problem and so it may drive fda to do a foreign inspection so say they see some import failures uh-huh. they may then schedule a foreign inspection saying maybe this is a fluke or maybe there's a greater problem Right. So, so that almost is implying that, that, uh, and I don't, I don't know, but this is almost implying that FDA is tracking and trending this, this data and information. And, you know, is, is, are you finding that that's the case? Oh, definitely. They, they have some very powerful tools to yeah. track and trace and trend. So one of the things when you have a foreign inspection, um, a lot of times you'll get a compliance report from FDA saying, here's all the imports you've made and here's all the times I've refused you and why I've refused you. And that that's in preparation for that foreign inspection. So yeah. uh, FDA keeps a report card on you. Yeah. Um, and FDA will track and trace uh, by commodity. So sure. if they're seeing a failure in one company's device, they may say, it may be just that company has a problem or there may be a categorical problem across the board of that device. So they'll start examining other people's device, Uh same style device to see, um, is it a device problem or a company problem? Sure. Um, And so they have a lot of powerful computer tools that, uh, analytical tools that help them target their resources. 
Sure. And, and how do, I mean, if I'm sitting at my medical device company here in the United States and I've purchased something from, from a foreign uh, business, uh, you know, someone, a business outside the United States and, and maybe that syringe or a component or, or maybe they've manufactured a finished device and, and FDA says, I got to stop this. I got to, I got to put this on hold or whatever the proper terminology. How do I find out about this? What, what's the process? How does that happen? So one of the most important things is, um, practically speaking, a lot of this is done through a customs broker. So to import an article in the United States, you have to file entry. So you basically write a letter to the government saying, hi, um, I would like to import this article. Here's what it is. If I owe any money, um, here's the duties I'm going to owe you. And in that process, you also send a bunch of information to FDA who then reviews the compliance of the article or whether it wants to examine it. That information is all submitted by someone known as your customs broker. They may work with your freight forwarder, so the guy who got the logistics together to get your device from China, Germany, or whatever to your sure. warehouse. Uh, usually with them, they partner with a customs brokerage firm. And so that broker is going to be really your key data point because what they're going to get in their systems are live updates uh -huh. saying what's going on with the FDA compliance or the FDA status of your article. Um, so you want to select a broker who really values that customer relations and keeps you in the loop. The other way you find out is FDA will issue at certain critical points something called a notice of action. Okay. They mail these to your office. They also mail them to the office of the broker and say you are consigning the goods to a third party, the consignee gets a notice. And in these notices, FDA says they may tell you that they're examining a shipment, um, that it's on hold pending that. They may tell you that, you know what, we think it's not in compliance and they're going to explain to you why it's not, tell you who you have to respond to. And if you don't respond in time, you, those goods are going to be refused. And then finally, assuming you went that far, you're going to get one last notice, which is either a refusal notice because you didn't respond or because FDA wasn't persuaded by your explanation as to compliance, or you'll get a release notice. Um, and so your broker is really your key point, but also FDA is physically going to mail you some things um, at certain junction points. Okay. And, and so what do I need to do whenever I get these, these notices or, or these alerts or uh, what kind of action should I take? I mean, I understand the importance of the broker, but, but it seems like I, I'm culpable or should be reacting or responding in some way as well. So certainly. So when you're an importer of records, you have a bunch of legal obligations to the government um, under customs law, but also under FDA law, because you've now introduced an interstate commerce an article uh, just by crossing the border. Right. You're part of that supply chain. So the first thing to do is when you have that whole, uh, hold, you make sure those goods stay on hold. Uh, you're not allowed to distribute them pending the hold's release. So that doesn't mean you're not allowed to take them to your warehouse, but you better make sure that you don't process them or you don't send them to the end user and lose control. The next thing is what you have to do really depends on what, what's being asked of you. So it may be that the government wants to come out and physically examine the goods. A lot of times these holds are not at the port. What happens is the goods are released to you conditionally, and you're allowed to take them to your warehouse. FDA then at this point will ask you, hey, I, or not ask you, they're going to tell you, <laughs> right? 
we're going to examine these goods. Give me the address. I'll see you. And then they schedule an appointment. They come out and examine the goods. Sometimes these goods, these examinations are just paper examinations. Sure. Now, if at the, after that point, FDA thinks everything's great, they'll give you a release notice and you're welcome to distribute them. Or they may say, I think they appear to violate the act. At this point, you need to understand what FDA is alleging is wrong. And then you need to assess how you either can fix the problem or what evidence you need to persuade FDA that the article is in compliance. So a lot of times devices may get held up because the wrong device listing number is given to FDA. Okay. So you may be able to just straighten it out by saying, figuring out up oh, the wrong one went to FDA, giving them the right device listing number and possibly some supporting documentation and FDA then may release the article. Depending on the situation, you may actually need to get it tested by a third party to demonstrate compliance with certain specifications. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming there's probably some really basic common uh, issues or mistakes that that an importer can be aware of and ensure that don't happen to you know or, or prevent these types of issues from happening with FDA. But what are some of the bigger issues or the more common issues that that you've seen in your practice? Certainly. So the first thing is, and as silly as it sounds, is know why you're importing the article. <laughs> yeah. And know exactly, are you bringing this in, say, as a prototype for research and development? Are you bringing it in commercially? Is it a component that can be used on its own, or is it a component that has to be assembled with something else to have a medical function? Yeah. You need to first know why on earth you're bringing this thing in, because it get, leads you to the next question. Have I met all the regulatory requirements for my use? Because there are some big differences between, say, a component that can be used for medical purposes versus a component that can't yet be used for medical purposes because it implicates your registration and listing requirements. Um, and so if you're not clear on that, I've seen a lot of companies get themselves into trouble because they, since they don't know what it's for, they don't make sure they're meeting all the requirements. Okay. Related to that then is, okay, now you know what it's for. There are some key things FDA always looks for with devices. If registration and listings required, you got to make sure you have that, and you got to make sure that you put in the right numbers. Um, I've seen too many firms know that it needs to be registered and listed, and just on the documents put in the wrong numbers, and so that will cause holds. Um, also, if it's a 510k device, that 510k number or that PMA number, um, those are things that FDA screens for every imported device because they can do it through the electronic submission. Sure. And so literally it's your number is compared against FDA's database. And if there's not a match, FDA holds it. Okay. All right. Well, those seem like things that are very much in my control and pretty simple and straightforward. So how often are there issues? <laughs> I mean, is this a big deal? I mean, I mean, obviously FDA imports is in business for a reason. So, uh, I'm guessing that this is somewhat of a big, a big concern. And is are the trends? I mean, what what else? What else? I mean, this can't be that simple, John. What else is there? Come on. <laughs> well, so I mean, FDA it, it becomes really commodity specific. So okay. if you're bringing in, say, medical gloves, FDA always are testing those things for pinholes. Bringing glasses, FDA is always making sure that they're not shatter resist or that they meet the impact resistance requirements. 
So there are certain devices FDA always examines because they've seen a history of compliance issues. And so they're always on the lookout. Um, and then some of it is, you know, just those registration listing issues. Um, when we talked about foreign facility inspections, one of the ways that some companies get themselves in some really big problems is they have that foreign facility inspection. They get a 483. They don't take that 483 seriously. Yeah. And FDA concludes that, you know what, there's some possibly significant QSR issues. They're going to issue something called an import alert, where FDA basically tells the field, anytime you see this device from that company, stop it uh. and subject it to refusal unless the importer can persuade you that this specific group of product is in compliance. Now, some things you can test compliance and show FDA, look, I fixed it, or say FDA doesn't, you don't have a 510K and FDA thinks you need one. Uh-huh. You may be able to fix that by getting the 510K or because you took a class one exempt device and you made some really aggressive claims, you changed your labeling, so you solved that problem. Those you can solve. Those QSR inspections, FDA is going to say, that company is basically blacklisted from the United States until they solve that QSR problem and they have meetings with FDA and possibly FDA does a reinspection. And only after that is that company allowed to export again. Um, And so that, that becomes a real killer because no amount of, you know, providing test reports or, you know, manufacturing documents for individual shipments when you're on a QSR import alert is going to convince FDA, generally speaking. Well, yeah, um, I mean... It really becomes an import embargo. I mean, I'm, on, I'm, I'm really on the edge of my seat now because you, you mentioned a couple of things that if, if I get this import alert, I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. And, and you mentioned a couple of things to be able to address that. I, I might need to file and get a 510k clearance, or I might need to have a follow-up FDA inspection. Well, I know how long getting a 510k through FDA and cleared can take, and that's months and months and months, best case scenario. And then going through an FDA inspection and being successful with that and and addressing and mitigating any potential 43s, that's going to take months and months and months. So these are not short-term ways to be able to address uh, a situation if you happen to get one of those import alerts. That seems like a pretty big deal. Exactly. And so that's why I kind of talked about what seemed almost hokey and we both laughed on it. Is now you're importing and make sure you got all your compliance boxes checked. Yeah. And that that's true. Um, know why you're importing and check the compliances. If you're using a contract manufacturer yeah. um, or a supplier, a third-party supplier, do your due diligence, which you really should be doing anyways as part of your purchase controls. And make sure you know what their compliance status is. Ask them questions. Have you recently been examined by FDA uh, or had a facility inspection? Because one of the things you asked about earlier was, well, does FDA trend this data? And the answer is definitely. Yeah. I've seen situations, and this is quite common, where say their foreign supplier has two U.S. buyers. You're buyer one. You've had been importing this forever. Everything's fine. Buyer two comes along. They have an import issue uh-huh. that the manufacturer and then can trickle down to you. Wow. And so while you've never had a problem and FDA's not examined you and said you've had a problem, 
because of one of your foreign suppliers, other customers having an issue on import. Oh, wow. That can affect you. Sure. Yeah. So folks, uh, that's very important. I know there's a, there's a lot of you that may be considering manufacturing your products with outside us resources. And that, that might be all fine and good, but do your homework. That's what I'm hearing. John, tell us, do your homework, make sure that that particular contract manufacturer has a clean bill of health, so to speak with, with the FDA and doesn't have any of these import alerts or any other sort of infractions. So John, so far we've, we've talked a lot about the FDA side of things, but there's, there's kind of a different side that that's also important to understand. What about the customs side of things? Yeah. So U S customs has a different role. So FDA's job is to the safety of its commodities ensure um, consumer protection to protect it from fraud. So safety and fraud. U.S. Customs has a different job. Its job is to protect the Treasury of the United States, okay. among other than little assignments. So other than the IRS, U.S. Customs is the one collecting money for the federal um, Treasury. <laughs> so okay. they have a slightly different mission. And one of the key things is they're a tax collector. Okay. So you're going to need to make sure that the way that you classify your device, the way that you value your goods... Um, are all appropriate so that when you know you're declaring them to customs, you're paying the appropriate duties, taxes, um, that you need to. And included, customs has other missions. They protect intellectual property rights. Um, they also ensure those country of origin markings, you know, made in China or made in Brazil. That's a customs issue. And so, you're going to need to make sure that your commercial documents are in line to those customs requirements because your invoices and packing lists need to look a certain way and convey certain information. You need to make sure all the things on there are truthful. So, cause customs has some better powers than FDA. So FDA's main power is they can just kick your goods out. And if they want to do anything more, they actually have to take you to court. Well, customs has a bunch of penalty authorities that it's allowed to use administratively. So they don't have to go to court so it's important to make sure that you get these declarations right because, you know, customs job is to protect the revenue of the United States. And so those things become very important. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I tell you, this, this conversation has, I'm sure we're just skimming the surface today, but it's been really kind of eye-opening to me. And I'm going to confess, I, I had no idea how much of this was happening and, and all of the, the twists and turns that can happen to those uh, who are bringing in products, materials, components into the United States for use in medical products. It's, it's, it's very helpful to have this sort of information. So I guess, John, one last question I have for you before we wrap things up. Is there anything else that you think is important for listeners to understand about uh, FDAimports.com's business, as well as the the how this impacts their their products with respect to FDA and customs and any other state and federal regulations. The big thing, and you've heard me say this time and time again, do your homework on the front end, um, and that includes FDA and customs, and also seeing if there's any other government agencies that may be involved in your commodity. Uh, think about heart valves. Heart valves usually use porcine products. Uh, USDA has something to say about that. Um, if you're 
bringing in foreign manufactured porcine. Uh, or not foreign manufactured, but you know, pig guts basically, yeah. or pig heart parts from a foreign government country. Right. USDA has something to say about that, in addition to FDA and customs. Because the key thing is to do your homework. Because at some point, one of these agencies is going to examine you, and if you haven't done your homework, you're likely going to get yourself on a hold, and that hold may be a one and done, or it could lead to a much larger compliance issue where suddenly. Your supply chain has just ended, yeah. Um, because you know the, these government agencies have a mission, an important mission, and saying, "Well, I'm, I'm sorry, things aren't perfect, but I have to have this product so I can stay in business," is not a persuasive argument. Yeah, um, you need to make sure your compliance is in order, and so we're, we're there to help companies when they do have those holds and. Because sometimes the agencies are incorrect in their analyses and or their approaches, but many times they are right. And so I'd much rather be working with firms before they make those shipments, before they start that supply chain, so that when they do get that hold, it's more of a one and done rather than their whole supply chain is shut down. And it could take them months, and I've seen even years, to reopen certain channels. Yeah. So folks, listen to John, do your homework. Uh, I would recommend part of your homework be reaching out to John Johnson and FDAimports.com. They're experts in this space. You don't have to go learn all about FDA customs and all the import alerts and all the the t- twists and turns that can be encountered in this. They already know this. Uh, they built a business around this. They're here to help. They are experts. So do reach out to FDAimports.com and connect with guys like John Johnson and others on their team. John, I appreciate you being a guest on the Global Medical Device Podcast. I know we've got a, a webinar that's coming up soon. And uh, uh, certainly as, as that becomes closer and more identified as far as the topic and, and details, We'll certainly let the Guru listening audience know all about that as well. So do pay attention to that. That is going to be coming up here very soon. Well, thank you very much, John. I really enjoyed the time and having this conversation. All right. Well, of course, if you need help with your quality management system or you have some questions or comments and you need to know what the QSR means to you and your company, you can always reach out to the team at greenlight.guru. This is why we exist. We've built a software platform to help you ensure that your medical device company meets all of those applicable quality system regulations here in the United States, as well as any other regulatory and quality requirements, such as ISO 13485 and ISO 14971. So do go to greenlight.guru and request more information if that's something that we can help you with. Once again, this has been your founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory and the host of the Global Medical Device Podcast, John Spear. Thank you for listening.